Hi, this is Inga Nielsen and welcome to the Healing Through the Akashic Records podcast. In this episode, we are going to talk about uh, five blocks to abundance that we can find in our Akashic Records. And if you're interested in the subject of abundance and manifesting, um, you know certainly there are things we can do at the uh, level of personality, at the level of the mind, uh, how we improve our thinking, uh, how we rid of conscious blocks that we have to abundance. For example, uh, a constant inner dialogue running, oh, I am poor or I have no money. And uh, knowing that the universe has a way of complying with these requests that we send out. So instead of going out and saying, I'm always poor, I'm always broke, uh, we need to reprogram our minds. We need to constantly reprogram our minds because it's very easy to slip into this over and over again. So we need to reprogram our minds to say, um, instead of I'm poor or I'm always broke, uh, to say something like, I need to earn more money, for example, or I'm in the process of earning money. Um, And it's very easy to slip into poverty mindset if, uh, for example, we grew up uh, poor or we had a long time, you know, just trying to make the ends meet. Um, But there are more subtle blocks to abundance than just thinking, just being, you know, coming from a particular background where we were trained to think uh, or do certain things. There are more subtle blocks. Uh, Sometimes we may struggle and rewire our conscious mind and uh, visualize and work on vision boards and uh, manifesting and whatnot, and yet nothing happens. Because Sometimes, and very often in fact, we block ourselves at the soul level. And these blocks are, in most cases, not conscious at all. Until someone makes us aware of them, until we actually go into our soul records, or until we actually connect with our soul and see what is in there. So this is what I was going to talk about in this episode. Some soul level blocks to abundance that we can see in the Akashic Records specifically. Um, So the first of these blocks is past life vows. And a vow is a very strong energetic statement. It's a strong statement that carries with it a powerful energetic charge. For example, a vow such as a marriage vow, right? You can have, you can promise to be together until death do us part. And this can be just a formality, but this can also be made with strong emotion attached to it, where you really mean it, and where the formal setting and the presence of witnesses makes this vow especially powerful. This is why we have ceremonies right? We have um, weddings to make the intention ever more powerful because it is witnessed by a group, because there is a buildup of emotion, there is a buildup of anticipation, of excitement. And so as opposed to you just thinking to yourself, yes, I will 
be together with you until death do us part. There is a whole setting where this intention is made more powerful by a group presence, by the formal setting, by the ritual. Same thing happens to other vows. Uh, there are many religious vows, especially in the past, vows of poverty. But also now, if you're joining a particular religious order or congregation or community, um, there may be traditions where it's considered that uh, money or owning things can be an obstacle to spiritual development. And uh, it may very well serve you in, at present if you want to have no possessions and focus on spiritual development exclusively. Uh, this is one path that you can choose, but it may have be that in the past you were a nun or a monk who made this vow, and that was 10 lifetimes ago. But the intention behind this vow, the ceremony, the presence of the community uh, at the moment of making this vow made it so strong and so powerful that now you are, for example, trying to set up your own business but the energy of the vow is still present in your field on the soul level. So you may not consciously want to have anything to do with poverty or not having any possessions at all. You are trying to make a, you know, a business go, but the energetic statement is still in your aura, is still on the soul level. Your soul rejects anything coming your way, because there is still an energy marker at the soul level, which literally rejects all the energy of money, of wealth, of abundance coming in. Uh, vows can also be less formalized, but they can be decisions that are said, especially uh, that are said on the deathbed at the moment of dying. This can be a very strong energetic statement because one gathers, you know, all their strength, all their capacity. Um, if there is strong regret, um, for example, and one can say, I will never fall in love again. I will never be rich again. Perhaps a lot of uh, trouble, a lot of problems came in that particular lifetime related to riches and money. And so there is this strong emotion attached to something one says at the moment of dying, I will never be rich again. And this type of vow can also leave an energy marker in your aura at the soul level, so at the very subtle levels. Now, I talked about it in a previous podcast, but what happens after we die, we have several energy layers in our aura um, that... Uh, are connected roughly to the chakras. So, for example, our physical body is governed by the root chakra, the Muladhara chakra. And uh, our then the subtle bodies go like concentric circles outwards. So we have the astral body, the emotional body, and so on. 
And some of these etheric bodies, they get destroyed together with our physical body after we die. Uh, usually the uh, etheric body, um, the astral body, the emotional body, they dissolve gradually uh, if in a period from 3 to 40 days. That's why in many religious traditions, those numbers, 3 days after death, 7 days, and then finally 40 days after death are considered crucial. And people are still praying for the soul, for example, of someone who recently died, because there has been this awareness that part of the... Um, <clears throat> aura is still around here is still in this world so prayers are needed for to help them pass on now other other bodies starting at uh, the heart chakra level and upwards so the bodies that are more subtle um, so the Vishuddha chakra body is far out in the atmosphere and it governs knowledge and um, and then upwards uh, up to the galactic body. These bodies are not uh, dissolving after death, so we carry them with us throughout lifetimes. And the energy markers that are with us from past lives, they are present in those, in more subtle bodies, in more uh, fine, refined bodies that do not die with, uh, with the physical death. So the markers of vows are left in those in those energetic bodies so we can see them either if someone is very skilled at reading reading those bodies or we can see them in the akashic record if we specifically go and look for this information i uh, always check for vows when i do an akashic record reading uh, there are some amazing things you can find there um so Vows made in one lifetime can affect us in countless future lifetimes. And um, facing, uh, finding, identifying such vows and asking for them to be cleared at the soul level, it can bring about very dramatic change in thought patterns at first and of course eventually also in life circumstances. The once a vow of poverty is cleared, for example, you will gradually start noticing how your thought patterns change and things start changing at a very deep level and then gradually trickles down into physicality. And you may still need to do those affirmations to change your thinking, but um, gradually the reality also begins to change and you're able to attract more into your life. Um, the next uh, block to abundance at the soul level is past life trauma. This can have something to do with lifetimes where we were abused, disempowered, had other people rule over us, make every decision for us, or maybe there is a war, there was a natural disaster that made us lose everything, feel helpless, hopeless, at mercy of nature, at the mercy of other people, at the mercy of circumstances beyond our control. 
And especially if this happened for lifetime after lifetime, during several lifetimes, um, this can alter the very blueprint of the soul to the point where we feel disempowered at a very deep level, at the core of our being. It's like a program that runs deep at the soul level. I have no power. It is what some call learned helplessness. So I need someone to come and save me. I have no power over circumstances. You know, there is destiny. God must be against me. Um, there must be something wrong with me. I have no power. I have no control. These are programs that may be running unconsciously all the time. And in this lifetime, we may... Uh, you know, train ourselves to believe that we are worthy of love and abundance, that uh, we deserve all the good things, but our soul rejects and blocks all receiving. It is literally the program running that overrides the conscious mind. The next, the third block to abundance that we find in the Akashic Records is a soul-level choice to be a healer and a helper. This is actually tied in a little bit to the past block of um, past life trauma, because often those who choose to be healers and helpers to humanity at the soul level, uh, they also choose very difficult incarnations in hope of um, helping to heal and transform some of the issues that humanity is facing. So, for example, you choose to be born in a very difficult family, in a war zone, in poverty, and try to transmute, heal some of the patterns, some of the templates that exist in that reality. Now, the problem is, it very often seems much easier from up there when we are a pure soul and live off the divine light than when it is down here. So up there, you can see very clearly what the issue is and how it can be transformed. And you recognize it will be difficult, but you still have this desire to help. But when we come down here and imagine a baby is born in uh, maybe a very poor family in a war zone, overloaded and overwhelmed with this misery around as a sensitive soul. And of course, it is very easy to get stuck. And there is no obvious connection to spirit in the environment around. So instead of helping and healing, one becomes bogged down by the suffering. This is a problem many, I'm putting this in a very rough form, but this, in a gist, this is a problem many advanced souls who come to help humanity, who want to come and help to transmute and transform. This is a problem many advanced souls face. It is the soul level decision to be a healer and helper. There is a subtle form of spiritual ego with that. There is a belief that I have to come and reincarnate and help others and carry the suffering of others when, in fact, 
there is never enough suffering to go around. So these are the so-called bodhisattva vows. Now, there is nothing wrong with choosing to help humanity, but some of those choices at the soul level can be modified and upgraded. We don't have to jump into the worst kind of darkness, into the worst kind of suffering, and get bogged down lifetime after lifetime, which as a result makes us feel so disempowered that we can't even help ourselves, right? much less anyone else. So these soul level choices, they can be adjusted at the level of the Akashic Record. Now, of course, the result of this adjustment, you may not see it so much in this lifetime because you still have a lot of baggage to work through and a lot of issues to heal. But at least your soul will no longer be needing to reincarnate. And if you choose to reincarnate, again, which you don't have to, uh, you will not need to choose so much difficulty, but you will actually be able to help others from a higher vantage point instead of just sucking everything in. So these these are the, the bodhisattva vows, uh, so-called, where um, in, in reality, it's just being trapped by the by the physical world, by the suffering of humanity, which never ends. And so the soul just keeps sucking it in over and over again. The fourth block to abundance that we have in the Akashic Records is a distorted power templates. What does it mean? Um, so power, we actually don't grow up and don't live with very healthy templates of power. Um, even if you think of the word power and the associations it brings about in your mind, a lot of them can be very negative. If you think about them honestly, power, what does it mean, power? Ruling over others, trampling others underfoot, being this you know, hyper-masculine character who comes into the house, kicks the door open and beats up the wife and children. We know perhaps that this is not true power, but we have not seen many good examples of true power, which means, you know, standing in your truth and having the strength to do your call to follow your mission through no matter what, without oppressing others, without being oppressed by others, without giving your power away. So on the physical level, the, on the 3D level, we don't have healthy templates of power, but also think about uh, at the soul level from past lives, um, there is a whole spectrum of having had a lifetime of abuser, having had a lifetime where you may be very may have been very powerful spiritually, powerful to the point where you made a mistake and someone else's life got ruined, and so there were karmic repercussions for that. Maybe you were a magician and your magic experiments went wrong. There can be a limitless array of scenarios. But the point is, 
many, especially many advanced souls who have had many incarnations behind them, they can be terrified of power. They don't want to step into their power because they are afraid they will make someone else suffer. They are afraid they will ruin everything, that they will be so powerful that they will start destroying things and will make others suffer. So they don't want to have anything to do with power. Uh, they don't want to oppress others. They don't want to, to be powerful. And to that comes these uh, distorted templates we have in our society. And many sensitive souls think to themselves, well, I don't want to be that macho man who tramples over others in his big boots. I just want to be nice and sweet and spiritual and gentle. And they fall into the other extreme, you know, this... Uh, uh, hyper, uh, not hyper femininity, but a very passive, very reactive state where we are just going to sing and and dance and uh, watch the sunset and have long hair and wear uh, <clears throat> fisherman's pants and you know and eat vegetables and do nothing and eat off uh, the fruit of the earth, but not engage in anything in society. You know the type I'm talking about. This is also shrinking away from power. This is running away from personal power because actually what is underneath it is deep, deep fear that if I'm powerful, I actually don't know how to be powerful. So these power templates, they need healing. They need upgrading. The it there is healing that needs to be done between the masculine and the feminine upgrading of the masculine templates and so on and so forth but um uh, healing all these distorted templates of power learning the true meaning of spiritual power is crucial for spiritual evolution and of course for abundance and uh, finally, the fifth block to abundance is karma. Now, karma, we can't do much about, unlike all the other blocks that I mentioned, although we can do something. And by karma, I mean the law of uh, the universal law of cause and effect. Let us say you made a decision in uh, a past life or <clears throat> you made you were in a position where you uh, could have helped someone and didn't where you made a decision because of which someone lost all their possessions lost maybe their loved ones lost their relatives and that the, of course, the degrees of responsibility can vary. Some It may happen unknowingly, but it may happen with very strong intent. Maybe someone just wanted to be rich at the expense of others, or you got jealous of someone's wealth and decided to bring them down, and that person suffered terrible loss, terrible suffering. And if you were still unrepentant, the law of karma requires that you experience the same thing. 
And it may be that in that particular lifetime, circumstances would not allow for this karma to be uh, fulfilled, for this karma to, to come back to you. And it was written off or written to be uh, returned to you in future lifetimes. Um, there are many reasons for this, um, for how karma comes back, and you know what lessons we are learning. So we're not we're not going to go into this in too much detail because it can get a little bit tricky. Plus, we are not really uh, responsible for affecting karma. So there are many many aspects that we don't know and don't see from from the perspective of this world of this reality. But the point is that. Uh, karma is real and everything you do does come back um so there may be a karmic debt that you have to pay that has to do with uh, having money and abundance and riches and maybe having relationships and so on now when we advance spiritually to a certain point we no longer create the heaviest karma so many of us are just working through the old debts as i said karma is karma there is very little we can do but we can mitigate it um, by learning and understanding what the situation was in the past that brought this karma about what is it that we have actually done? And we can also try to negotiate with the past incarnation of the person we had hurt. So we can go into that space of the Akashic Records, we can bring up their past incarnation, and depending on their situation, on the situation that happened, we can look, um, look into it and we can bring uh, both of your past incarnations into a dialogue and see if some forgiveness can be obtained, if they are willing to forgive. If there is a sincere repentance on the part of the offender, and if the person offended is willing to forgive, a lot of karmic debt can be written off, can be reduced, not written off completely, but the severity of karma can be reduced significantly. And also karma is not a punishment mechanism as such. It is still a learning mechanism because we are here to learn and evolve. So it is not meant to destroy us completely. That is why some of the karma goes over several lifetimes. Because if we were to receive everything in one lifetime, it would kill us, completely destroy us at the soul level. So karma is spread over several lifetimes, so that we are actually able to learn from our mistakes. So when we understand the karmic cause, and when we understand that no, we are not to do this particular thing. Like in my example, we are not to destroy someone's life because we are jealous of what they have. If this understanding is true and real and is in the heart, karma can be and will be uh, reduced, softened, mitigated, because it will be counted as we have learned our lesson. So even karmic blocks can be 
um, reduced and the time needed to work through this karma can be shortened. Um, so this is it for today. And I hope this brought clarity on some of the blocks to abundance that we can have in the soul, on the soul level and that we can see in the Akashic Records.